once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Rarely do we get to choose our punishments. God gave David three choices. The consequences of each would be severe, but David had faith in God's mercy in the midst of it all. Lead teacher Randy Pope finishes the series Faith Walking with this message entitled The Secret to Faith Walking, which covers 2 Samuel chapter 24, verses 10 through 25. Keep listening after the message for a special all-in update. Thank you for joining us today. Last week, the very last week of a five-part series. If you're new with us, thank you for being here. I think that we'll bring you up to date. won't be a problem that you've uh, missed to be able to understand this week. But I feel like that when we do a series, particularly this one, that it's really a five-part sermon that we take one piece at a time and we come to the last one, how critically important that is. It's much like reading a book and you've read up through to the very last chapter and you're saying, but where does this thing really go? Where does it end? In a sense, it can be misleading if you end the story too early. And I have battled with that every week because the end of the story is in our text today. You'll see why. And I've alluded to it, I've pointed toward it, captured the essence of it, but this week we see the end of the story. You're going to find it to be very, very beneficial. Here's what I want to do. For you that were not here, I want to review very quickly what we've done. For you that are here, a good reminder. Let's walk through it. Week number one, we entitled this Faith Walking When It Seems Impossible. The series title, by the way, is Faith Walking. We looked that week at Numbers 13 through 14, and the first of five principles reads like this. Faith walking focuses on the will of God rather than the insurmountable obstacles. Week two, getting prepared for a faith walk. Joshua 4 and 5, principle two. Faith walking requires significant time alone with God, remembering what God has said and done now this was the story in joshua where they crossed the jordan and they stacked stones as a memorial and to remember what god had said what god had done who god was and so we said all right we're going to do a little uh, thing here we're going to give out dollar coins that are gold colored and so we have given out thousands of these uh, I'm curious to know how many of you are still using your gold coin. Raise your hand if you got it. All right. Very, very good. Now, again, one last time, make my day. You know what we're going to do. Three Ps, and the first one is what? Power. Number two, promise. Number three, presence. There you go. The idea is to remember that God is a God of power as we can't even imagine. You tell me something God can't do. There's never a time that God has not been faithful. There'll never be a time he's not faithful. So as we focus on his power and who he is, that's the beginning of the faith walk. Number two, you start thinking, okay, God, you've made promises. What is it that you have promised? And we'll look at those promises and say, okay, God, I see you said it. Now, I need to believe it 
to the place that I can embrace it and follow. And then as we spend time thinking about he is the present one, he's with us always, he cares about us, he loves us, our Father who art in heave on heaven, all power, relation as a Father to us, what would stop him from granting every single thing he's promised? Because we're in a period that we do every three years or so, where we re-examine our own hearts as it has to do with where we are with our resources. And we all come to the place that we kind of make a decision where we're going in the future, best thing in the world we can do for ourselves. Because we've done that, we're looking at the promise that God has given us specifically in that area. It's in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It reads like this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house, and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. That's a great promise. Do we believe God? Young people, kids, what do you think? You think when God says, if you do this thing called tithe, which means tenth, that if you do that, God blesses? Well, certainly he does. Now, there is an understanding that it's not just, I'm giving money, therefore I'm blessed. That's what this message is going to be on. You know you can tithe and still not be blessed? Absolutely. Because it's not done from the heart, as we'll talk about today. But given that the heart is where it needs to be, then there is a blessing. Kids, you believe that God would bless you for a lifetime because you have dealt with this issue? Why a tithe? What's the big deal about a tithe? It means tenth. Why would, that, why would he even use that as a, as a standard to help us? We're going to see that today. Because there needs to be something that we can look at as a specific word from him to say, this is what you say and this is what I do in light of it. That gets us over a huge hump. As you'll see as we come to the next part of the series. So let's look though at number three week. Are following God's procedures in, in uh, Joshua chapter six. Principle three, faith walking requires a ruthless commitment to do what God says. And then number four, last week, the enemy of faith walking. Second Samuel 24, one through nine, and we're gonna pick up in verse 10. So if you wanna be turning in your Bibles, feel free to do that, Second Samuel 24, 10. But principle number four, we looked at last week, Faith walking's greatest threat is the sin of idolatry. It was at this time that we, we looked at the life of David and saw him as king of Israel. And David at this time was uh, in a very unusual time of blessing in the life of Israel and his personal life. Been through a lot of hardship. But this was a good time. Very end of his life. And he chooses, for whatever reason, to say, I want to count the people of Israel. All the leadership, his number one in leadership under him and others, commanders as well, came and said, oh, David, don't do that. You know you're not supposed to count the people. Anything wrong with counting? No, except for the king. The king had certain restrictions. He was never to count without being told to by the Lord himself through the prophets. And even then had to meet all these conditions of sacrifice to make sure that it was done in the right way. 
David ignored all that. He said, I'm going to count. They said, don't do it. He said, I'm going to do it. They did. And as a result, we come to where we are today. The issue in his heart was not the counting being so bad. It was the issue of the sin beneath that sin. It was misplaced confidence. What we call idolatry. I used the definition of idolatry. We'll put it up again. It goes like this. Anything good or bad, doesn't have to be bad, a person counts on other than Jesus to find life satisfaction and contentment. And so I used a little phrase, whatever we count, we typically count on. And it's that counting on that's the heart of the issue. That's where David was. And I'm going to suggest that's where you and I are. Oh, man, we're counters, which means we've misplaced our confidence. It's called idolatry. So we look at today's text. Today we come to number five, the secret to faith walking. 2 Samuel 24, 10 through 25, principle number five, last one. Faith walking always follows the path of repentance Grace and sacrifice. Repentance, grace, and sacrifice. Now, what I'm going to do now, we're going to see this secret or an explanation of how somebody can go from the place as many of us are, are struggling with idolatries of the heart, misplaced confidence, not willing or able to embrace God's promises, whatever you want to call it, to go from that place where David was to the place of being one who obeys and sacrifices generously, something took him from where he was to where he is in the text we look at today. It's going to be the very same things that's going to take you and me from where we are to where we want to be. So three episodes. It goes quickly. We look at them this way. Episode number one, it's called Repentance with consequences verses 10 through 15 let's look at verse 10 to begin with now David's heart was troubled another way of saying that in other translations he was smitten his heart was smitten felt horrible about what he'd done after he had numbered the people so David said to the Lord I have sinned greatly in what I've done but now O Lord please take away the iniquity of your servant for I have acted very foolishly so he confesses he repents you understand repentance i keep talking about it over and over it's so important it's something we need to do every day through the day all the time and that's as we see we veer away from god's ways and we all do then we repent so the issue is not how much do we veer from god's ways the real issue of holy living is how quickly and how strongly do we respond with a heart of repentance. There's the sign of holy living. We all fall every day. How do we deal with the knowledge of our failures? And so the answer is to repent. The word made up of two words, metanueo. Meta, we get the word metamorphosis, change. The word nueo, the verb form of noose, mind, it's a change of mind. 
I'm going this way. I'm changing my mind. I don't want to go that way anymore. I'm turning back to God's ways. That's the heart of a follower. As we keep repeating over and over and over, it really is this. It's, it's coming back to the open arms of a loving father and saying, your love is enough for me. I thought I needed to lust in order to find fulfillment. No, 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 no. I thought I had to be selfish to find. No, I don't have to. I thought I had to get revenge after what they, no, I don't have to do that. Your love is enough. That's what David goes through. That's episode number one. Let me read verses 11 through 15. When David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, go and speak to David. Thus the Lord says, I am offering you three things. Choose for yourself one of them, which I will do to you. So Gad came to David and told him and said to him, shall seven years of famine come to you in your land, number two, or will you flee three months before your foes while they pursue you, and then number three, or shall there be three days pestilence in your land? Now consider, see what answer I shall return to him who sent me. Then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let us now fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great, but do not let me fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel from the morning until the appointed time, and 70,000 men of the people of De from Dan to Beersheba died. Wow. You notice we said repentance, but then in parentheses I put with consequences. Young people, please hear this. There's no such thing as sin without negative consequences. It just doesn't happen. At the same time, I'm so concerned because people assume wrongly. If there is true forgiveness, then there will not be consequences. If there are consequences, then God really doesn't love me. Hear this, young people. It doesn't matter what you've ever done, what you ever will do. If you're truly a child of God whose heart has been toward him and you do whatever it is, as heinous as you may think it may be, let me tell you, God's forgiveness when there is repentance is immediate and it is absolutely full. It's complete. It's total. But because their circumstances in no way says, oh, I don't love you anymore because see, look what I'm going to do to you. No. It's the other way around. We should be saying, God, I know that you love me even in the midst of these circumstances. Some of you may remember years ago I told the story, but it was a lady, young lady, uh, daughter of dear friends of ours. And she called me late one night in hysteria, crying, upset. Please meet with me in the morning. I've got to meet with you. I've got to meet with you. And so I meet with her. What's the problem? Young single girl, she says, I've broken my commitment. I, have, I had sexual activity with a man last night. I, I knew it was wrong. I shouldn't. I, I, didn't, I don't know what got into me. I can't believe I did it now, and I'm so sorry. For what I'm... I said, you said you're sorry. Are you truly repentant? 
I mean, from the depth of your heart, do you not only wish you hadn't done it because of the consequences, but you just know it was wrong before God and you don't want, oh yeah, I'm so, I'm just so wrong. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I said, and I knew she was a follower. And I said, you know, as a Christian, do you understand? Because now you have a repentant heart. You are absolutely, totally, fully forgiven. I mean, as far as the east is from the west. God has cleansed you. From, you, are, you are forgiven. You are loved by God. And she said, oh, thank God. I won't be pregnant. I said, what did you say? She said, you said I was forgiven fully. I was so afraid I would be pregnant. I didn't say you're not going to be pregnant. I said, you're forgiven. But if I'm forgiven, he wouldn't allow. I said, no, 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 no. Let's, let's walk through this. She found out she was pregnant. Had the baby. Married the father. Ended in divorce. Terrible story. Sure, there are consequences. But as a repentant heart yields under the consequences, watch what happens in the life of David. It'll happen to you and me too. Let's look at episode number two it's called grace verses 16 and 17 let's read those verses when the angel stretched out his hand toward jerusalem to destroy it the lord relented from the calamity and said to the angel who destroyed the people it is enough now relax your hand the angel of the lord was by the threshing floor of arana Want you remember that where he was he was by the threshing floor of arana the jebusite he's going to have another name same person later then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking down the people and said, Behold, it is I who have sinned, and it is I who have done wrong. But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand be against me and against my father's house. Wow, good stuff here. This is an amazing story. You see, we're not talking about we're not talking about one who is, is simply saying, okay, I'm wrong. I'm so sorry. He goes so far to say, look, 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 please, it's grieving me the consequences that are coming to bear even on innocent people because of what I've done. And so he says, in essence, this, don't strike the sheep, strike the shepherd. He probably had no idea the prophetic words that he was speaking when he said, strike not the sheep, strike the shepherd. 70,000 would die. But as we see from the text, it was moving toward the destruction of all of Israel for what he had done. Amazing. So now we come to episode number three. And this is entitled Sacrifice, verses 18 through 25. Let's read it. So Gad came to David that day and said to him, Go up, erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. David went up according to the word of Gad, just as the Lord had commanded. Arana looked down and saw the king and his servants crossing over toward him. And Arana went out and bowed his face to the ground before the king. Then Arana said, why has my Lord, the king, come to his servant? David said, to buy the threshing floor from you. 
in order to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be held back from the people. By the way, it's interesting. Why would he buy that particular place? Why did God say go there? We're going to find out. Aaron has said to David, let my Lord the king take and offer up what is good in his sight. Look, the oxen for the burnt offering, the threshing sledges, and the yokes for the oxen, for the wood. Everything, O king, Arana, gives to the king. And Arana said to the king, may the Lord your God accept you. However, the king said to Arana, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. And these are great words. For I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. Thus the Lord was moved by prayer for the land and the plague was held back from Israel. The transformation that he experienced just shortly before, here he is in a place of great idolatry. Oh, don't count them. I don't care what you say. I'm going to do it. To the place that he says, hey, I can have a free offering, but I will not do such. It will cost me nothing. I suggest to you that transition, that transformation is the secret to how we faith walk. And it's summarized in two words I hope you'll remember. Young people, if you can remember these two. The first is the word broken, and the second is the word bought. Broken and bought. Not just broken, not just bought, but broken and bought. Let's see that in two closing statements, and we'll end. Number one, David's heart was broken by the sin and its consequences. So he is broken. We already read verse 10 of 24 where it talks about that. He was troubled. He was smitten. You see, it wasn't just for counting. It was because he understood there was a, there was a sin much beneath that sin. Not the big deal whether you count. Huge deal if it's representing something in the heart called misplaced confidence or idolatry. Very big. He saw 70,000 die, and he is so distressed. And so he's a broken man. You know God uses the negative consequences of our sin to help break us? It shouldn't end there, and obviously it didn't with David. But God does use it to point out the sin of his own heart and the seriousness of his sin. That's what God does for you and me. The final statement goes like this. David's heart was bought by the ultimate sacrifice. It was bought by the ultimate sacrifice. Not his own sacrifice. You know that, don't you? This has nothing to do with the sacrifice that he offered. It was what it represented by the sacrifice that he offered. You see... Maybe at this point, he's understanding the prophetic words that he, spoke, that he spoke. Smite not the sheep, smite the shepherd. Prophetic of very much the same words that Jesus said. You see, I think the key to understanding this whole thing, though, 
And to understand this idea of bought, you've got to go to 2 Chronicles. Chapter 3, verse 1. Look at this. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David, which is what we're studying now, at the place that David had prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan, which is another word for Arana, another name for him, the Jebusite. I don't know if you're connecting this, but this is Mount Zion. This is the very place that Abraham offered up Isaac, where the words were spoken, stretch out your hand to Abraham. And then the words were given, withdraw your hand, spoken to Abraham. You don't think God in his cosmic wisdom was not looking at this as a, a big portrait all coming together with the final strokes at Calvary's cross. This is the same place where Solomon built his temple. This was the place of sacrifice. Mount Zion. The very, the very area where Jesus would ultimately be sacrificed himself. You see, all of this is pointing to the one greater than David. It's pointing to Jesus which is our ultimate sacrifice. The truth is the hand was withheld, but not because of David's repentance. Do you understand that? It's really not because of David's repentance. It's because of the reality and punishment that was put on Jesus that he could be forgiven. And the same is true with you and me. I was in Texas this week and had a one-day trip. John Rowland, one of our videographers here and on our staff, I went with us, uh, went with me to this trip, and, and we got picked up in Dallas early morning. We had a pretty substantial trip in the traffic to get downtown to Dallas where we were meeting and, and uh, happened to have a driver in the, the, the taxi that we took. Uh, he happened to be Muslim as I asked about his faith, and he said he was Muslim. We had a long ride, so I thought this could be a very interesting conversation, so we started talking, and I asked him to tell him about his faith of Islam and what and why. And I was able to share about the what and why, and John was able to help me there and just talk about what we believe. But you know what it really got down to? Well, we have, we have a wonderful God in Allah, and he's a very merciful God. And we have Muhammad, who God spoke through, and we, and we have the Koran, which is our word that gives us the truth of of what God wants to say to us. And I could say, John could say, well, we also have a wonderful God, the Almighty God, creator of the universe. And you know what? We've got, a, we've got one who we believe is the Messiah, sin of God. And through him, we have a word that we can trust and believe. And so, well, really, what's the difference? We've both got our deal going on, and so who can, what, what difference does it make? Here's the difference it makes. It got down to saying, okay, what did, what did Muhammad do with his sin? Did Muhammad sin? Well, he may have made some mistakes that he didn't under da 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 you know. Well, what did he do that? Well, he repented. As long as he repented, he was fine with God. 
All he had to do was repent. And folks, that's what a lot of people believe about the Christian faith. All we got to do is we just say we're sorry and we repent. No. Brokenness, yes. But the reason that we're forgiven is not because we repent. It's because somebody paid the penalty that we deserve. That's where every other religion has nothing to compare. They go, well, I said, well, who's paying for those sins? Who's, who's taking the sin, the, the consequence of that sin? Who takes it? And the reality is there's nobody in Islam. But let me tell you, we have a Savior that took our sin. That's the word bought. Yes, if we truly are bought, we recognize our brokenness. And then we say, oh, God, forgive me, I repent. But the two always go together, brokenness and bought. Folks, we can't break ourselves. We can't buy ourselves. It takes one to do that for us. That's called grace. And that's why everything we have is by God. You know what? If I can't buy me, if I can't break me, and I get broken, and I've been bought, then I'll tell you, somebody did it for me, and you tell me how I earned it, you tell me how you earned it. We don't earn it. It's a gift from God. That is the greatness of our faith. That's the true religion of all religion. Understanding that, we need to close by just applying it. How does this apply to you and to me? Well, I think it's this way. Many of us have been exposed to our idolatries through this series. Why should there be light to expose the particles of dust that are in the light? Why shine the light of the law on the heart to show the sin of the heart? Many of us have said, I am guilty. I'm an idolater. And I can tell you how because there's been a specific measurement to show the heart. Can you take your resources that we count and count and count and therefore count on? Can we take those and say, God, I'm offering these to you, a tenth of it, just to show that I accept your belief and your teaching and your promises, that you're God. I'm going to do that. And some of us have seen, I can't do it. I don't know how I could. I've got all these reasons I can't do it. I can't do it. And it's left us, many of us, feeling, oh, I've had two people in the hall between services catch me and say, I'm telling you what, God has dealt with my heart on this issue and I have stepped across the line and am I a freed person? I've known all of my life this is what God was calling me to do. As a Christian, I knew, but I had all of my arguments and now all of a sudden, and they're saying I'm experiencing a blessing in my heart. I know it. Many of us have put two and two together and it's now for the first time totaling four and we're saying, yep, I know I've not experienced a lot of blessing, and I know there's all kind of stuff in my life that I just can't help but believe is related because of the lack of blessing. And if you think that means, okay, prosperity theology, give and God will give all this. No, 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 no. Not if you're thinking possessions. I've said it every week. I'm going to say it this week too. We do not believe prosperity theology. Give a dollar, get a dollar. In fact, you may give a dollar and have $2 taken away. As a blessing to your life, God says, I'm going to give you life blessings. I don't promise lifestyle prosperity. I promise life prosperity. And so he says, okay, you want to be blessed? You want to have your life blessed? You want to have joy and the happiness and the fullness of life? Then follow my ways. Not just this one law, but it's the way of God. What a big deal about a 10? You know, there's nothing about 10. 10% is like counting. 
Give 8%, 10%, what's the big deal? That's not the deal. It's the sin that goes behind the sin. It's just little enough that it doesn't really impact the way we live, but it's enough that challenges us to say, it's not easy and I gotta trust you, Lord, and believe you for what I can't see by sight, but what I have to believe by faith in my heart. And something happens to us when we begin to walk by faith. We do find blessing. And if we do, and when we do, it's because of grace. I like the way one author puts it. He says it this way. We should marvel at even the ability to be generous. It is one of God's gifts to us, a sure sign of our understanding of grace. So true, so true. You know, when we understand grace, we realize that it, it's required to go from idolatry to sacrifice. And without that, we would never be able to do it the right way. But with it, two things, two things as we make our offerings. And I want you to remember these. Number one, you're able, you're able to give without a sense of sinful pride. Because we realize I'm broken and bought because of the grace of God. Number two, we have stimulated within us a joy in giving. And so, as we make our offerings to the Lord, let me tell you, if we do it, we do it with pride and we do it with a sense of, I got to, we haven't gotten there. God hasn't worked on the heart yet the way it's got to be. We want to deal with those issues. Just keep going to the cross, seeing his love. Just use those three words over and over. Your power, your promise, your presence until the heart begins to break and you understand that you've been bought. That's when it happens. I've had people come up after the service. Here's my situation. What do I, what do, I, what do, I, do, I, do I have to? I say, no. Give where your heart is joyful. But work till your heart gets joyful. That's the big issue. I want you to do this as we close this. Look in your bulletin. You've got a little piece that tears off. You don't have to tear it off here. But look at the piece that is the card that we're going to use for next week. If you're not here next week, we'll do it the final week, the uh, next week. But I want to tell you about Carol and my faith pilgrimage through this. How we have done our faith walk regarding our stewardship. And if you're a, a guest among us, this doesn't apply to you. Don't feel that you need to be, look, but this may help you in your own life elsewhere, not at this church. It says at the top of this little piece, it says, what amount do you intend to give on an annual basis, including any above and beyond gifts toward the all in one fund that supports our operating budget and ministry and campus development projects. Now I talk about the ministry and development projects at the at the uh, vision awarenesses. So Carol and I looked at this and said, okay, how are we gonna do this? Well, we've been blessed to learn when we were married to start tithing. That was, we've been taught that way. I was already doing it. And we, you know, Carol and I came in the marriage. And so we've been blessed to have ability to keep adding to that and add it over the years and it work up, you know, to what it is today. And, and many of you haven't had that privilege. Some of you've had longer time than we've had and you're further along maybe than we are, but we've been able to get to a point where we'd, we'd love what we're able to give. And we're always excited the more we can give. And so we looked at that and said, okay, in 2015, 
We know what we're getting in terms of our income now. We know where we are. What do we think we can give? And so we said, let's see if we can go up 1%. So for us, it was a, we felt led to say 1% will go up in the year 2015. Well, 2016, we don't know what our salary is going to be. I assume they're going to double our salary once again like they usually do. <laughs> Trust me, not true. But we said, let's, let's see if we can add 1% then. And then we said, well, let's try 2017. Let's go three years back to back a percent up every year. And so we totaled that up. Then we said, well, what about additional? And this is where I was trained and taught by my mentors. I said, give generously from what you have and, and promise what you don't have. If God gives it, you give it away where you promised it. If he doesn't give it, don't worry about it. Call it a faith promise. And, and we've had times that God didn't deliver what we prayed and asked for. But we've got enough stories in our history where that he has provided and what great stories as parents to say to kids, we believe and we trust in the promises of God. Look at his provision. Look how good he is and gracious and powerful. It's a wonderful way to live. You owe nothing if he doesn't give it to you. There's nothing to lose. But we said, well, what can we kind of believe and pray for and think? And so we put down a number for 2015. We added a bit to that, the 2016, and we added a bit to that, to 2017, totaled it up, and then we added it together. And when we did, Carol said, you know what's so exciting, Randy? That represents, that number is one-third of, I mean, this is uh, a one year of our salary. It came up to be exactly what our salary would be this year. And so we said, well, that's cool. That's fun. We weren't, oh, my goodness. That's, it was like, so we knew we were at the right place. We had a joy in doing it. We don't feel like we're meriting the favor of God. We're not trying to buy his favor. It's just something that as you grow in your faith and your faith walk, you begin to see. And I can attribute so many of our blessings I know in life because, you know, it's one area, but it's, it's not the only area, but it's one area where God says, this is what we do and this is what I'll do. And I long for that to be true of all of us here. So I'm going to encourage you, Perimeter Church, those that are members, those that are regular parts, say, this is my church, join the journey, do this. If, if you say, I'm not going to do this, I think you're saying, I just don't want what you've got, God. Now, if you think for a minute, I don't trust the motive of your heart, Randy. I'm not sure that this whole thing is right. I think it's a way to get money that I'm going to invite you and beg you, you do this and give it somewhere else. Don't give it to Perimeter Church. If you say, I don't believe, don't give it. But give it somewhere to the kingdom. God will bless you. You want that. Life blessing. My prayer and my hope through this series has been there's going to be maybe a few thousand. Certainly hundreds and hundreds, I would hope that are going to say, looking back through their lifetime, it happened in 2014. I'm thankful that my church pushed me through a journey that I wouldn't have taken otherwise. And as a result, I found depth of joy in my walk with God. Go to the cross. That's where you see the love. Love motivates obedience. Don't let me motivate you to obedience or anybody else. Let the love of God motivate you to obedience, to come to him for you that are not Christians and for us to all obey who are. And my prayer, God bless Perimeter Church. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for granting us the opportunity over these five weeks to teach through the faith walk and 
be taught about the faith walk and experience the faith walk to whatever degree we do. Lord, I pray whether we just build a little bit by little bit and get to that place some while from now or whether we get there this year or wherever, God, don't let us stop the walk until we get to the end of the journey that you've called us to. So, Father, thank you for the privilege to walk with you. For those here that are without you, God, would you grant that they may understand your love and that it might be that love that breaks their heart as they see the purchase you've made for them. May they walk with you and love you, we pray. Thank you for this people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Each week during these five weeks, we're having a little time left at the end just to give some instructions to the church family about kind of what all's happening now with our all-in this week. Know that next Sunday will be our Commitment Sunday. It'll be a grand celebration. We're going to have everyone all in the auditorium, and we're going to have it the uh, two hours here, 9 and 10.45, and the 5 o'clock. We'll all be here in the, in the main uh, for the service. Uh, it's going to be special. We're going to invite you, if you will, if some of you can choose to come to the 9 o'clock, it is going to be a great advantage because uh, if everyone comes from this hour, from all three services, it's going to be overloaded. So if you can help, please do. If not, feel free, come to this one. We don't want to see no one here. Don't everybody be generous, but we hope that if you can, uh, that that will take place. So. We're also going to be turning back our memorial coins. Now, there have been some people who said, I want to keep this coin. It's been meaningful. Can I keep it? You can. Well, all you got to do is you trade it in for a dollar bill or five or 10 or 20 or whatever you want to <laughs> turn that thing in for. But this is going to go back to giving it away. All of this is going to go to one of several different ministries that we've chosen in the community that we think are very much being used to care for the needs of people around us in the community. And each one of them will actually be matching what we give, so it's going to double up. So we're excited about what that'll do. So we'll bring those back. If you're not here next week, then the next week we'll kind of have a princess week in there where you can do that then. And then the next week, the 23rd, we'll have our celebration where we announce this is where we are. And uh, if you've come to Vision Awareness, you'll get a feel for what we can do and what's going to be available or wherever we end up. So we'll let you know that at that time. There are brochures, big brochures. They're out in the lobbies. Feel free to pick one up. Notice on the next to the last page that where they have an, a, a sample of the card, you've got the real one here. The sample was one we did long before, and we kind of altered it a bit. So use the one you've got not the one that's uh, illustrated there. Know that. And then uh, we're starting this week, a week of all church fasting and praying. Um, what that means is that uh, if you can come to any of the chapel services or chapel prayer times, 645 to 730, Monday through Friday, we've been doing this for a month with our officers and spouses and others that wanted to come. But now we're saying to the whole church, come join us. Any morning that you would like, come one of those mornings and join us for prayer. Fasting, we have introduced you to the idea of fasting. As you leave, there's some little uh, pamphlet things that are going to help you understand fasting, a little quick little read. If you would like to go online, you can get either a five-minute summary of a teaching that I've done on fasting or the full teaching on fasting. And uh, you can go on perimeter.org pope. And you can get that. But I would encourage you, whether you do one meal or a day or whatever, 
uh, different ways to fast, different things you can fast from. So there's a lot of things you can listen to and read to understand that. But I'll tell you this, I've had, uh, I had uh, one of the guys in my group who fasted uh, as I did uh, a week or two ago because of this week was just really, really challenging for me schedule-wise. And so I thought, well, it'd be better. So I've done it previously. And we were talking about it. I said, well, what was your experience? He said, I'll keep fasting forever. And not meaning never eat, but I mean, <laughs> but I'm going to periodically fast for the rest of my life. I said it was the greatest experience, and it really is. You know the way I like to think of it after doing I kept thinking this during my fast. I thought uh, it's kind of like having a memorial coin in your stomach at all times. I mean, you can forget about the coin, but you don't forget when you're fasting. And it's not just to remind you of the truth that fasting represents, but there's clarity, there's kind of insight, there's just, you'll see when you do it. I think you'll find it'll be an exercise that I hope many of us continue, even as we would pray that we would be fasting. Vision awareness, I cannot say it strongly enough. Please, if you've not come, make an effort. Be there if you're a part of this church. Uh, I'm just going to be saddened if uh, people miss it. I think you will be glad you came uh, if and when you do. I certainly hope you will. Sign up now. Uh, whenever you can, go ahead and sign up and know about child care particularly. I think that says it all. I want to say thank you at the end of this series. Um, you know, the attendance has gotten a little smaller every week. I've noticed that. Um, but it's not bad, you know. Y'all still hung in there. I'm, I'm, and I have to say this. I expected that would happen, and that's, that's okay. If we gain what we hope, that people learn faith walking, just you as a people, man, that's going to be worth it all. And I'll tell you this, you're a great church. We can't imagine. Carol and I both feel this. I can't imagine a greater people. You're faithful. You've been gracious. Go Perimeter. I'm thankful for who you are. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.